This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We got something really fun going on right now. Tunes and Tumblers needs a tune. Atwood Magazine's premier podcast is in the market for a jingle, and we're inviting artists from all over to create and submit a recording to us. The winner will be chosen this fall. In addition to having their music featured and credited in our future podcasts, the winner will also be invited onto a special episode of Tunes and Tumblers to drink and talk about their music with us. Submissions are open for the month of September. Please send submissions to tunesandtumblerspod at gmail.com with the subject line artist name which is your name tunes and tumblers jingle submission looking to see what you got cheers lovelies welcome to atwood magazine's tunes and tumblers listening to music is more than just an auditory experience here at Tunes and Tumblers, we explore the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious experience. So put up those feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I am, as always, your host, Anthony, and joining me is... Your mixologist, Pedro. Your music coordinator, curation, manager, senior coordinator, assistant, Ryan. And he, vice president, he forgot. <laughs> he keeps adding titles to make himself feel more important. Mother of dragons and breaker of chains. <laughs> mm. Well, today is a glorious occasion because for the first time in Tunes and Tumblers history, I am actually drinking the Woo! cocktail. We're going to do an extra cheers at the top for that. Yeah, cheers <laughs> up top. Uh, cheers. Just for our listeners' sake, that means we are drinking on the sidewalk right now. And, uh, yeah, we're not in the bar yet. No, we uh, have we have our producer Drew keeping a lookout for cops. This is highly illegal. <laughs> we're actually out back by the dumpsters. You got it, you guys. Get yourself a good pair of cop eyes in your life. You know, for, for everything you do. <laughs> Just find a good sentry, a good narc. With a yeah, sharp we, we looked on Task Rabbit. <laughs> so thanks for coming, Drew. <laughs> All right, so. This is also another big occasion for us because we're, we're taking a big leap outside of our comfort zone. Um, you'll see what we mean in just a second. But uh, first, you know, we got to catch up a little bit. It's been a, a while. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. What have you guys been listening to recently? Um, let's see. Well, I um, 
after attending the Just Like Heaven Fest, I went on a, a, a bender uh, uh, on the band The Faint, mm. which, my God, yeah. those guys rock incredibly hard. Too hard, maybe. And we saw him again Wednesday at the Roxy. And what can I say, guys? That band, they got it. I fucking love seeing them live. Yeah, they are so much back, they are back so in the day. Yeah. You saw them? Yeah. yeah, I saw I, them at Soma in San Diego, and I've, I've never danced so much in my life. I saw them back in 2007, and I hadn't thought about them since until like it became a huge deal that they were at uh, Just Like Heaven Fest. Never forget, Anthony. I try not to. <laughs> there was a lot going on at that festival. I was 17 years old. We got pulled over by a cop leaving... It was a it was a whole thing. <laughs> yep. You didn't have Drew to watch out for you. That no was the problem. No, there was no Task Rabbit back in two thousand seven. <laughs> we barely had uh, pictures on our phones. Oh, okay. <laughs> we had flip phones. Oh, clappers. Yep. Dark we times. had to we had to actually download our music and put it onto a device that had limited storage. <laughs> a lot of underscores in the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it would just be a parody song that some dude uploaded to LimeWire. Yeah. And everything, every parody song was misattributed to Weird Al Yankovic. Mm-hmm. So people were like, oh, I love this song by Weird Al, man. And it's like some piece of dog shit, like, you know, <laughs> who knows? But. South Park did it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pedro? What have you been listening to? Um, off the top of my head right now that I'm thinking there was a, a song that came out uh, earlier this month that I heard called, um, well, the title, like when I look at it, it's G-M-O-F. Get out. No, sorry. G-O-M-F. Um, but it's, it stands for like "Get Out My Face" by oh. Dubs featuring Bridge, Bridges. I'm gonna add that to my. Um, and it's, I actually saw it on someone's Instagram first. They did like a video to it, uh, and I, it caught me immediately and put it on my workout playlist. I listened to it in the car. I it's just been on a loop. I really love that song. Well, it's now officially in my library. Boom. I'll have to give you an opinion next week, next time. Um, <clears throat> what have I been listening to? Um, well, I've been listening to a lot of Anderson Pot coming off of our last conversation, <laughs> diving deeper into his discography. But I also finally broke the wall of me disliking Billie Eilish on principle, and I actually listened to her album. <laughs> Guys, it's really good. You disliked her? Yeah, it was. It was like this whole thing because, like, I had heard all of her singles and like uh, the EP that Ocean Eyes was on, and it's good. Like, she's good. But she wasn't like, you know, number one social media star in the entire world good, which I didn't understand why she was like the lone artist in alternative rock to be like listened to by everyone. rock. Yeah, there, she's classified. We, she's classified as. <laughs> this is going to have to be a whole other episode. <laughs> she's classified on all of the platforms as alternative. This is um, why genres boy. are a myth, people. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're talking. We talked briefly about um, all of the uh, all of the gatekeepers to country music a couple of times ago, but I yeah. guess the ones to alternative are are, are a little more. Big Billy yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. Uh, go listen to uh, when we all fall asleep. Where do we go? I really enjoy the production behind what she does. I think like all of the elements come together to make it really effective. Her song "Bury a Friend" is just a, a whole mood. It is just—it's um, actually a mood I wrote down for the bowl. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bury a friend. That's all it says. <laughs> yeah. Hey Siri, it's just a command. Where can I go to bury a body? <laughs> oh wow! Don't cut that, Drew. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> 
that that has just been forwarded yeah to google has the, that now <laughs> to the surveillance agencies yeah you know 10 years from now there's going to be a whole netflix documentary that begins with this moment oh lord hmm. well why don't we take these drinks inside gents well we got to chug them yeah and then <laughs> get new ones, and see, new if ones the, and see if the bartender can make them oh yeah hey is that right. is that gerald outside today oh no i don't recognize it's gerald's guy. sister Geraldine? Yeah. Ooh. Wow, his parents really did not get creative with the naming. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Geraldine. Hey. <laughs> Works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. But it's still yeah. the high water family, so they'll let us in. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Let's hit it. Yeah. So let's uh let's turn on some music. Ryan, what are we listening to today? Okay. So we are listening to the Septet BTS, prominent K pop group who uh seem to show no signs of stopping. We got their EP, Map of the Soul, Persona. <laughs> All right, I dig it. This is like a, so. This is <laughs> this is definitely different from what we've done. I, you before. were supposed to. We were gonna supposed to have ten seconds of silence for to let that sit in. <laughs> Persona. And we're gonna play a little sample over it, right, Drew? Do we have the we have the rights to to BTS's music? Those were easy to get, right? What ten bucks? Fifteen. <laughs> What the heck? I'll give you twenty. Tell you what, listener, go ahead and get yourself a Spotify account. <laughs> Tell, you can you can pair it with your Hulu, and it's only like what ten bucks a month. <laughs> so yeah, this is a fantastic uh, K-pop record EP that just blends so many different styles together: hip hop, rock, pop. I mean, it's all over the board. It's got it all. It's got a great feature from Halsey. God bless her manager for making that, or whoever made that happen. I mean incredible but it's a it's a fun they get in they get out and it's a real it's a treasure it's a k-pop treasure i would say so bts is actually a backronym in english for beyond the scene and a lot of these k-pop groups that are acronyms um they do so in order to appeal to a wider demographic like how do we get people across language barriers to really just like hone in on this band and that's one thing they did in korean bts stands for and i'm probably going to to butcher this so <laughs> i'm sorry to all of our korean listeners or just like people who are really into they started K-pop. the army yeah right. that's right <laughs> so it, it stands for uh bangtan sonyodan i that's probably really bad and i'm sorry i barely speak english (laughs) i only speak broken english and we've been drinking and we've been drinking (laughs) oh yeah so before we get into this further and there is really a whole lot we can talk about regarding the k-pop phenomenon bts in particular and just like how they are crushing it beatles style in the u.s right now but first Tell everyone what we're drinking, Pedro. All right, guys. Here's what we're going to drink. Now, listening to this EP, um, it's really enjoyable. It's poppy. It's it's bubbly. It's fun. It's got some depth to it. But I think most of all, it's palatable for like everybody. There's mm. something for everyone to like. It blends so many things. Um, so I wanted to make something that anyone could really enjoy. If you like your drink strong, if you like it sweet, if you like it pretty, or you like it simple, this is a good drink for all those people. Um, so what we're gonna what we're using is a Korean liquor called soju. It's uh, grain and barley. I think it's rice and barley, uh, made of rice and barley. And it's really it's got a um, it's got a lower alcohol content than most liquors, so it's very easy to drink. And uh, for those of you who like to drink a lot, feel free to pour liberally. Um, it will not overwhelm any of the other flavors you're using, and you can drink it neat. But I blended it with some things. Um, they have a song called Dionysus on mm. on the EP, and so I thought grapes would be a 
would be a good thing to blend in with this with this liquor. So I took some grapes, green grapes, and a little bit of watermelon, and I pureed that all together. And so I put the soju, the the fruit puree, which sort of gives it that sweetness, and then uh, top it off with some club soda to give it the bubble, the pop, mm. the pop that it needs. Um, and just a little bit of lime just to sort of bring all those flavors up a little higher. Um, and it is refreshing. It's delicious. You honestly can't tell that you're drinking anything alcoholic, which is dangerous, but so much fun. <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah, is there, exactly. Is there a name for this? Did you come up with I'm a name? calling it a Dionysus. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, this looks absolutely delicious. And uh, I think before we down this, let's uh, let's raise a glass. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, guys. Cheers. To BTS. To BTS. To dying ISIS. <laughs> May they die forever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this became a whole different political? podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, <Yeah>. the, the, <laughs> the region of Syria. <laughs> <laughs> Where K-pop began. <laughs> Well, that's actually a good transition, Pedro. <laughs> I think if we're going to talk about BTS, we first need to talk about the phenomenon of K-pop, which has blown up here in the past couple of years in a huge way. I mean, you go online, you go on YouTube, you look at any of these groups, BTS, EXO, Blackpink, TXT. I mean, there's tons of them. They're but you Coachella. look at... Yeah, right. They're, they're at Coachella and they're racking up hundreds of millions of views. And yet it's still somewhat of a subculture here. Like if you don't talk about it, you don't see it. Um, so I, I'm going to go into a little bit of history. Everyone, everyone get comfortable. <clears throat> so I do miss lecture classes. <laughs> <laughs> that means get on your phone, take the nap <laughs> that you need because you woke up way too early for this class. <laughs> so the story of K-pop actually begins around 1992 and with the television debut of, of a group called Sautegian Boys. So you watch these guys on Korean television and they're, uh, they're breakdancing, they're wearing baggy clothes, they're rapping, and no one in South Korea had seen that before. Like until then, a lot of the media was controlled by the state. And that was thanks to uh, their former dictator Park Chung-hee who uh, until his assassination in 1979 had like a total monopoly over uh, what was shown on TV, um, the kind of music that was allowed to be made. Um, it was called healthy media. So that's anything patriotic or squeaky clean. You look at the 80s, like the number one song was something called Ah Republic of Korea. Oh my. <laughs> And another huge hit was uh, this G-rated love ballad called You're Too Far to Get Close To. Um, I'm wondering if we can mm. find those still. But basically, you listen to them, and they're just very generic, mm. and they're very, quote-unquote, clean and inoffensive. Mm. And then along come these guys, and the reaction to them wasn't great. You watch this television broadcast, they're on a variety show, and everyone's acting just appalled. It's they're being received negatively, but that's not what happened with the South Korean people. They ate it up. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get enough of it. Um, so they had, uh, this was like a defining moment of cultural progress in South Korea. Um, this was the first time that a lot of people there were introduced to American hip hop style. Mm -hmm. So moving on from there, they like got really big, really fast um, they had a huge hit in 1995 called Come Back Home that was about teenage runaways. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics expressed frustration 
with uh, the government and the culture. And this was the first kind of like countercultural movement and people saw it as authentic and really mm. gravitated around just the bombast of all this. Like no one had done this before. And then in 1996, all of a sudden they went away. They just announced their retirement and just went out on top and kind of left this void. Um, and in the, so for context, like you go back to 1960 when South Korea was first established, like at the end of the Korean War, and it was one of the poorest countries in the world. And over time until 1996, they grew to be the 11th biggest economy. Wow. And suddenly there's all this infrastructure and there's um, a lot of people honing in on this idea that uh, South Korea can start exporting culture and that could be a big economic windfall for them. So along comes this man named Lee Sao-man, I think. Lee Sa- I'm going to say that again. So along comes this businessman named Lee Su-man. Oh, okay. And uh, so he was a former entertainer and he created this group called HOT around 1996. And they looked and acted a lot like Sautejian boys. Mm. They wore the same kind of clothes. They rapped. They danced. Everything was just like perfectly curated and they were huge. They had this hit called Candy that um, a lot of current uh, entertainers talk about. Like this was this was like the moment where um, we started like dancing and performing and thinking we wanted to do this too. Like a lot of Korean entertainers. Yes, a lot of Korean entertainers. Um, for more information on this, guys, there's a really good episode of Explained on... Um, on, on Netflix by Vox and they talk all about the history of of K-pop like where it came from and like what it evolved into mm-hmm. um, to just kind of like wrap things up and like get us going to like where we are now um, in 1997 there was like a big uh, financial crisis in Asia and the South Korean government decided that they were going to pursue culture as an export and they even in 1999 signed this law that said that they were going to give 1% of the state budget to arts and culture. And that's when um, the big three showed up to like take advantage of that. Mm. So Lee Su Man's company, SM Entertainment, then another company named JYP, and then YG, which was run by a founding member of Sautejian Boys. So they got this windfall from the government and used it to start creating idol groups. So they've been like grandfathering in yes. the, the future generations. Basically. So starting around 1999, 2000, that's when you start seeing these groups appear. Mm-hmm. And a lot has happened since then. And now we have a band like BTS. BTS. I'm just imagining somebody in another country talking about American boy bands who goes, well, you know, Lou Pearlman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody talking about American music history? Well, well, it all started when they got LFO on the Roseanne show. There's three guys. Everything changed. No one had seen this. And then Lou Pearlman, you know, failed the blimp company, you know, blimps for boys. And then he started a boy band. And here we are today. One Direction. <laughs> there's there's three guys in Korea doing the same exact podcast. <laughs> talking about NSYNC or like One Direction. <laughs> I think like... One of the one of the big differences, though, is that as far back as like 
uh, World War II, that's uh, when America started being like the biggest cultural exporter mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Like the aftermath of that kind of like established us as the entertainment empire of the world. Right. That's still like our biggest export to today. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. One notable thing is that this method of creating idol groups isn't unprecedented in um, American musical history. Oh, yeah. Like there's, you can draw a straight line to the way Motown created groups in mm-hmm. the 1960s. Well, it's 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 funny because you know they're a cultural export. It's like it's sort of like they're selling back everything that like because we've exported so much of how we do like you know the American uh, music industry has exported so much of how it works and how it does things. People have modeled their own industry after that and now like they're selling it back to us right so we're experiencing it through the lens of somebody else hearing what we're hearing exactly so we're hearing a different yeah, yeah it's good and they do it very well like they do like listening to this ep i was like i know this i know this music mm-hmm. i totally know this music i don't know the language but i know this and it's good they do it very well and you don't even need to like even really understand it and that's the, yeah. the brilliance of it is because it's it's like like you, it feels familiar and and you can kind of just have it, you can kind of have it on and it, and you, you, you understand the feeling Yeah, that's communicated clearly. Like there's this great quote where they're talking about the formation of the group and they're like, oh, we were fighting a ton in the early days. Then we just got to the point where we can communicate wordlessly just by watching each other and reading the expressions. And that's like a perfect way of like experiencing that music. You don't need to, you can kind of just hear it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to understand what you can just kind of hear it and know what's going on exactly. and occasionally there's an english word or phrase yeah that kind of brings you back in if you're ever drifting out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and um, that's all deliberate though oh yeah, yeah. Like, it's very smart yeah everything about bts and k-pop idol groups um in general is that they're trying to appeal to as many people as possible that's not necessarily a bad thing no not at all no it's pop but, music in general yeah, exactly right. that's what i mean they do it very well and like i think you and i had talked about this like uh, the other day where i was just like it, it like you were saying it doesn't matter what they're saying at all they're hitting the right beats mm-hmm. yeah um and you just know you get it and you can find out what you can go and figure out what they're saying yeah. you can go translate it and it's almost like an extra layer of pleasure to see some of the wordplay and the crossover that they use in these songs but you don't really need to 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 enjoy it and um but yeah it's amazing that despite it being so like the the fan and we'll get into this i'm sure but the fan love for it is insane i mean people Mm -hmm. were waiting in chicago for like like five days to go to a show i mean yeah you love to see it (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but this is um, kind of a good uh, milestone for me having this podcast, having this conversation. Uh, for my listeners, I mean, I've told you guys, um, for the past week and a half, I've been working on a documentary about BTS mm-hmm. and their fans. We've been traveling to different cities. We were in Vegas, New York, um, and then Oakland, just talking to fans of this band about how they engage with them and the level of interaction and and the way that fans kind of absorb and remix like everything that they hear about this band they feel a lot like they're engaging with family members Mm -hmm. and we're talking talking to people of all different backgrounds we talked to um this social media star in vegas i don't know if i'm allowed to say names don't. So yeah, we're not going to say names. Um, we we're not talk- promoting anyone else on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe, Atwood Magazine. <laughs> 
but we talked to this uh, social media star out in Vegas who got famous um, doing BTS reaction videos. And then we followed her to LA where she had a fan meet and greet for her and other oh like Lord. YouTubers that just talk about BTS and BTS um, theories. Like there's a whole, if you listen to their music chronologically, there is an underlying story and she's got just like storyboards very charlie from uh um from it's always sunny. <laughs> there's, a lot of yarn, there's a lot of yarn on a lot her of yarn going on no she does have a whiteboard where she like writes theories and stuff what a time to be alive i know but that's the thing so which is, one of the which one of the guys ends up on the iron throne though oh i think it's a v <laughs> it. um i know all of their names <laughs> I, it's also i was reading about these groups in general and the way they like the power they also have with their perform like it's there's almost like a democratic process with some of this stuff where like fans almost can kind of dictate in some ways things that they want or think that they should happen. Wow. Like there was one I was reading about where it was like they got, they demand fans demanded that this guy resign from one of these groups. Cause there was some, something came out about something like drug use or something. Oh wow. So yeah, the fans were allowed. like, he needs to step down. <laughs> he needs to step down. It's a very, it's a very pure fandom. <laughs> you imagine like, but that's being all... in a band and somebody's saying that and like, you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> They're like, it's actually not us. It's, <laughs> it's 50 million people just want you gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's got to be the worst. But that's the thing. It's kind of like an anti-rock star mentality. Um, when you think about, you know, drug, sex, and rock and roll, that's like the trifecta, right? They don't have that no. in K-pop. K-pop is all about squeaky clean image. It's a big fluffy hug. It is a big fluffy hug. There's this quote by uh, Tamar Herman, who is a contributor to Billboard. um, And she says, K-pop isn't a music genre. It's a music idea. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like, um, you listen to this music and it feels a lot like the best way that you can create art by committee. Um, Mm. I see what you mean. There's a lot of creating art by committee that I think doesn't work. For instance, the studio system here in LA, like we get a lot of big, dumb, safe blockbusters that make me feel nothing, but that's a different podcast. (laughs) It's a whole different medium. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, what do you guys think? Like, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about like the, um, the intersection of curation and authenticity. Like, where do you think BTS and their music fall in that? I mean, I don't see a whole lot of difference between, like, BTS and, like, what they're doing uh, than there was with, like, the New Kids on the Block or NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys or any of that. It all works the same. Um, Although, it sounds like BTS actually writes some of their own stuff, (laughs) which is definitely different. (laughs) (laughs) And the consequences from straying from that image in K-pop have, like, serious consequences. That's true. Which is... That aspect is strange to me, and I don't. <laughs> it makes me a little uncomfortable. And I understand like the point. Like you, you're supposed to come off as like a, being a virgin, doing no drugs, so that other women can project their. You're the good boy next on, door. <laughs> there's a chance that there could be a, a chance encounter with that guy if he's a virgin and a good, you know, perfect boy. Yeah. It feels so. it feels a little bit like the way the Jonas Brothers were back in 2007. I was just thinking about the purity rings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same thing. But to me, it doesn't seem as creepy. Like when Disney does it, it feels a little bit like uh, fan control. I feel like that might have something to do with just the fact that they are not from here. Right. You know, here, 
when we, we <laughs> living in America, you you know the fucking truth. <laughs> like the Jonas Brothers and the Pewter Rings, like and squeaky clean boy bands. Like you're like, yeah, no, there's no just, way. And there's that always a from... path to rebrand, too, exactly. Which they've done. Nick Jonas is now like a gay icon, and totally. That's like a total sex icon. That's not possible. And right, yeah, and I mean Korean Miley K-pop Cyrus world. is the same yeah. thing. Like she was the uh, the conservative virgin, and now she's like unabashedly herself, mm-hmm. uh, gender fluid, like yeah. all this stuff. But, you know, back in 2007, like, you got the image of, of South Park's Mickey Mouse just kicking the Jonas Brothers in the balls saying, you don't fucking talk to me that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think there also might sort of be a, an issue of, because, you know, artists and stuff, um, what they're doing is mainly, like, for themselves. It's, you know, it's a self-fulfilling creative thing that they're doing. But as far as, as what you were saying, you know, about cultural exports and all that stuff, it's not just about these guys in this band it's about the country it's about representing a a bigger culture so them looking bad reflects badly on everybody and nobody (laughs) wants that you know what i mean like yeah the stakes seem very high and and it's hard to tell how real that is but it seems i mean seems real it's 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 at least a very important thing like however real it is yeah that's what i think maybe is why it's not like creepy or like, I don't know. There's, it's, it's something different. It's, it, it, we're not, it's something new that we're not necessarily familiar with. The cultural difference is also notable because oh, yeah. um, in the past few years, there have been a lot of changes to the way that uh, these companies can control their artists. Like um, they had the these, management it, companies. Yeah. The management companies had extended contracts that controlled every aspect of their life. And they recently changed that, I think in like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as much as it outraged their international fan base, like it didn't, it it didn't ruffle a lot of feathers in in South Korea because like one Korean ideal is to like work hard and keep your head down and and persevere at any cost mm-hmm. and eventually you'll be rewarded. Right. Like that's that's a, a little piece from the the Vox uh, episode I was talking about earlier. Mm. But you wonder how much any people are in, in the country actually like that. Like how much that actually relates to an average person's day to day life. And yeah. it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to know. <laughs> sort of <laughs> steep through the. Va- I mean, yeah. yeah, it's strange. But I don't know. The sense I get from listening to it is, I, I think maybe part of the appeal is that there's no real, like to me, I'm disconnected from the whole group. I'm not part of the army. I was not recruited into the BTS. That's the fan group, by the yeah. way. I have pamphlets. Co- I'm just kidding. Army. Yeah, <laughs> I, I the had, army and it's, I'm disappointed because I came over here wearing my army wristband that I got from working on this documentary <laughs> and it, it disappeared off my wrist while I was showering at the gym and now I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Someone took it. Yep. Another army took it. <laughs> Probably not. Army stands for Adorable Representative MC of Youth. Really? Really, really. Wow. I just figured it stood for army like the word. They're very. The fans are 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 um, firm on the fact that they're not military. They're all about. Gotcha. They're all about togetherness. Army in the sense of like uh, a group working toward or for something. Like a mob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. It's all positive values until somebody steps out of line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Disneyland. It's the happiest place on earth, or else. They smile at you while they sweep you out the door. <laughs> There's a, there's a, um, uh, but there, the, the, the headlines that they have, that they've managed to get are for doing good rather than like harassing somebody or ruining somebody's life or doxing Mm -hmm. them or getting them fired from their job. They're like, they team up to have huge like streaming campaigns for their artists. Like they teamed up with Beyonce's fans to like 
get both of their <laughs> the beehive singers, yeah <laughs> to to get both of their the streaming numbers ridiculously high for both wow. artists which is like it's crazy i mean they're free definitely... and free labor like your your fans are going that you know extra mile mm-hmm. to get you streams to make you money i mean that's it's dedication it's crazy and it's not like chris brown fans who if you talk bad about them they'll destroy your life <laughs> what that was like a whole thing. We can cut that <laughs> no, part out. A, I mean, <laughs> no, you can keep it in. That's that guy. That's yeah. That's some crazy stuff. I just didn't hear. About I forget. That. No, I, I forgot. Like what artist said something about? Oh, God! Did some, someone say something true and people got mad about it? Yeah, someone said something <laughs> true on Twitter, and all of Chris Brown's fans are like, "Hey, shut up when Chris Brown's talking to you." <laughs> He or was something. A, he was acquitted. <laughs> <laughs> she was asking for it. Oh god. Oh, oh no. Anyway, that's probably all direct quotes. I mean, yeah, seriously. Yeah, so. But yeah, I uh, like when I was listening to it, I think another part of it is that there's no and again, like I if if you're being ignorant, if you're not translating the lyrics, you can kind of you can still really enjoy it. Right. And feel the emotion being expressed. And there's something there's something just so enjoyable about a group or like the different people. Like, all right, now he's on. Now, yeah. Now he's on. The fact that they all have their own distinct personality, that's also by design. Um, oh, God. Yeah, no. That... <laughs> Nothing's real. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they are authentically real, themselves, but well, in it's casting, like... you're looking for specific personality types. Yeah. Um, some of the... They interviewed a couple of artists in this Explained episode where they were talking about the casting process. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's like the Avengers. You can't have an Avengers with seven Iron Men. That doesn't mm-hmm. work. You need Ant-Man, you need the Hulk, you need all of these different personalities and functions in order to come together and create a well-rounded group that can keep you engaged through these different aspects. Yeah. Well, it's like the tropes yeah. that I always have is like, okay, there's the there's the bad boy one, there's the moody one, there's the one who can actually sing, there's the really young one, like... That's always been. Yeah, just, yeah I mean, that's insane. always the way it is. It's, it's a, a formula. Idiot. <laughs> it's a total. It's a total formula. But what I like about this EP, I think the most is how much they lean into it. Mm-hmm. Like they, it's. Like you can tell, yeah. So like when me... RM comes out and he starts rapping, I'm like, "There's my man." <laughs> yeah. You know? So we, we, you mentioned that the, the drink is named after Di- Dionysus, right? And and that song's about drinking and partying, uh, like pretty explicitly. Yeah, like yeah. You're not hiding that. So how did they? Where the party at? How do they get? How is that? Um, how is that how, okay? <laughs> according to the rules, right? I, I'm I'm unsure how they're able to. Is doesn't that go against the clean image? They're talking about drinking. I think it's like in I a mean, very sanitized way. As um, long as you're not going over overboard, maybe it's. I think it. It's more about having a good time than it is about getting drunk, mm. getting laid. And getting oh, like no, 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 you know. yeah, you watch their music videos and they aren't glorifying like any sort of risque habit or attitude. It's all bright colors. It's all polished. It's all just like a visual feast, right? Yeah, it's like a video game mm-hmm. in some ways. Well, like when I was listening to it, I felt like I was falling through a bunch of like pink clouds with like all kinds of cool things <laughs> flying by me. I feel like I'm falling through pink clouds in this drink. Has a really good. Yeah, you managed to make the color of the drink like almost the same color as the album cover. Yeah, this was all. This is all very intentional. (laughs) We need to make one more before we go, so that I can take a picture of it for the. Oh yeah, we'll make sure to do that. Yeah, for the article for show. So yeah, one of my favorite things that I read about in regard, like while I was listening to this, was um, 
was you know you're talking about how k-pop is this like important cultural export but um apparently they have these speakers at the um the dmz the demilitarized zone Mm -hmm. and they blast k-pop at this site because it's this way so like north koreans on the other side can hear it so you can and you can hear it for like six miles like past the zone so you can't escape it they just blast this k-pop and it got to the point over the years where I think Kim Jong Un said something to the effect of, um, "Be ready to like strike the speakers." Oh man! You know, when, <laughs> and um, he's not a fan. And they and it's and so there's this like, it seems like from what I've looked at that there's like this attempt to like sh- try and show the North how great it is over here, and people trying to sneak USB flash drives over to hear it and come check out this capitalist utopia. You know, it's. It's great. Yeah, it's like the wall or something. Yeah, it's like the Berlin Wall. It's like their version of leaving a, a hot pie on the windowsill and like the the steam like goes and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, sort of like yeah. beckons you over. Yeah. Lifts you up. Yeah, exactly. It makes you float towards <laughs> yeah. us. But the only, then you get shot if you get carried by <laughs> no. it too far. That's but yeah, the part they a, didn't show you in Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bugs Bunny had a lot of close there, calls. There's a lot of violence for sure, but you didn't quite see anyone. Well, I guess he did speak. Dude, I bet you Kim Jong Un's like in his palace, just like dancing. The, well, he dancing likes it too. now. Now yeah. they've had these like it's it's moved past that I think to now where they have he's watched them perform mm. and tried to meet some of them and blah blah blah. So. Oh, that's right because they've had like summits, haven't they? <laughs> yes, yeah, BTS summits. summits. No, not like BTS. Like okay, I mean like North and South Korea. Had yeah, like, they, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. Wild wow. Stuff, wild stuff. Wow. <laughs> well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap things up here. But before we do, I think we have enough time to play our favorite game, mm. Hashtag Mood. Woo! Hashtag Mood is a little game we play where we have a bunch of things we've written on pieces of paper in a bowl. We each reach in, grab one, and we try to make a playlist of four songs using it. Who wants to be first? Anthony does. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's see what I get. <clears throat> Surprise! You've won a free deep shampoo. What? <laughs> <laughs> At Fantastic Sam's. And you need a playlist. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is Fantastic Sam's? It's a haircutting place. <laughs> it's like a, it's like super cuts before super they cuts. Cut many hairs. <laughs> they cut, cut many hairs. Well. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it's all elevate. El- it's all going to be elevator music, obviously. Or you know, you could go a lot of directions, my yeah. friend. I mean, you can you know, slow mo, chopped and screwed, new age, <laughs> Celine um, Dion. All right, so obviously, I just need a bunch of bubble gum to get me through this because, like, you know, I'm I'm walking on airs and uh, I'm just I'm walking into the 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 hair salon and it's it's the best day of my life. By the American Authors is my first song. <laughs> so this is during the shampoo, correct? Oh yes, my god, this wow. is during the okay. shampoo. That is um, then that is right in a few ways. So first of all, I'm feeling so cool. So the next song I'm gonna do is "Cool" by the Jonas Brothers. You had to. Yes, I had to. <laughs> have to have to plug my boys. Um, and then boys. what is what is a good shampoo and haircut without? gossiping and venting to your hairdresser so next is going to be boy problems by carly ray jepson (laughs) because we all have those then i'm i'm i've got my my new head of hair 
you know, I'm just feeling so light and so shiny and beautiful. And I'm just going to come out of that place singing, I'm coming out by Diana Ross. <laughs> wow. This is quite the transformative shampoo. <laughs> um, that's fucking funny. All right. Who's up next? Right. I really like how you tried to act like you didn't know what a Fantastic Sam's was. It's okay, I d- Anthony. <laughs> Do you really? Did you really not know? I don't know. It's kind I, of I an like it was... supercuts. It's like a dingy kind of like low morale supercuts. Yeah. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was a sandwich shop. <laughs> uh oh, what did he get? <laughs> the DJ Genie has granted you three requests at Limp Disco Night. <laughs> End of mood. <laughs> this one only has to be three? Dope. Um, or four. I mean. We'll do four. Um, okay, let's see. First off, I I want White Lines by Grandmaster. What's Grandmaster Flash, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. I want that. That's happening. Um, so that's the first song I want on there. Uh, another song that I would love to hear if I had my way and didn't care what anyone else in the club thought would be Rain Girl by Yeji. Mm. Um, I love that song. And then there's one that I've liked recently a lot by Lizzo, uh, Tempo, featuring Missy Elliott. I love that song. Fucking love that song. Got to hear that. And then I would close it out with Ode to the Bouncer by the Studio Killers and just leave on the the highest note ever. Nice. All hail Gerald Highwater. Woo woo. Gerald hooking me up. Well, Geraldine tonight. (laughs) Gerald (laughs) Gerald doesn't get the props tonight. (laughs) Geraldine. She looks remarkably like her brother. (laughs) They're both bald. (laughs) And they both have a five o'clock shadow. (laughs) They're bald for different reasons. One of which we don't like to get into. (laughs) All right. um, I'm going to try not to grab one of my own. You're on a nine-hour flight. To your left is a large snoring man. To your right is a frazzled mom with a crying baby. You need to drown them out to survive. <laughs> you need to drown them to survive. And you, need a, you, need a, you need some score. <laughs> um, God, that's almost a little more. That's more fun. You yeah. have to drown two civilians on an airplane. Forget so the playlist. Get, so you could get some dang sleep. <laughs> what songs are playing while all, you drown them? No. <laughs> all you have is a cup of water and a straw. Oh, oh wow. Go. <laughs> Okay, so this is to drown them out, though. So let's we'll we'll, we'll do it that way. We'll, do it. we'll have it your way. Um, uh, Fishbowl of uh, moods. <laughs> Mrs. Pasta Man's playlist. <laughs> okay, so um, this might be one where there might be uh, repeated attempts. So I'm probably going to need to do music for airports, which is Brian Eno's famous ambient album from the '70s, I believe that was designed for airports, and that's a Zen thing Ooh. that you could try to put on. So I might try and go that route, the ambient new age route. And then after that, I would probably put on Yanni, um, One Man's Dream. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be in, uh, do you know Yanni? No. You got to know Yanni. I mean, the, the king of the new age. Okay. Um, I would put him on, hopefully with the intention of getting to a place where I'm having dreams. And then after that, let's see, I would probably go into some music, um, some otherworldly music from uh, house techno uh, wizard Drexia. And I would probably put on the song uh, Neptune's Lair. So it's, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. You understand? 
Um, and then um, trying to go to my mind beach, and I'm gonna ha- <laughs> and I'm gonna have, but I have to have a pretty a hard hitting one for in the case. Think I need, if I need to channel it out mentally for when you start drowning when me. I come out. <laughs> yeah, and that's gonna be I sin for a living by the Meat Men. Uh-huh. Like that. <laughs> And there you have it. I want you to play all these the next time we go to Tonga Hut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Immediately clear out the place. <laughs> Plug for Tonga That's Hut. How to, lose, how to lose friends and, uh, you know. Alienate influence. people. And alienate people. Very much so. I don't know. It's, it's Yanni kind of into a... the meat men. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, for, for all of our listeners, this is a kind of a, a, a dingy but great um tiki bar that we like to go to sometimes and it doesn't matter what we play on that fabulous jukebox everyone's into it always Mm -hmm. everyone's also always very drunk there so (laughs) (laughs) yeah they don't fuck around with their scorpion bowls do not no all right speaking of scorpion bowls let's down the rest of these oh uh, looks like i'm ahead of you a little bit yeah oh i'm just like it's just uh puree where i am there's soju in there it's just it's very subtle any sort of lingering thoughts or anything that we want to kind of say to wrap things up here? Any lingering thoughts? Pop is a universal language. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. The way they do it, man, you don't even need to know what they're saying. Why take a stand when you can just stand on tables? Beautiful. I'm not even oh, going to say mine. mine. Captain. <laughs> I'm not even going to say mine because that is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> can't top that you can't top that it's like trying to, to to follow obama you don't do that <laughs> oh nope. <laughs> at least no one has yet uh, well thank you for all coming right. out to tunes and tumblers uh please uh follow atwood magazine on all of our socials tunes and tumblers was produced as always by drew Franzblau, and our theme music is longing by joaquin Carood. and until next time Cheers. Cheers. the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, 
the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.